calf or hamstring. That is fantastic bowling. That is good as it gets from Mitchell Stark. Full, fast, swinging, too good. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas Spirit of Australia. And today at Lords, we had bulk bounces. We had a heroic number 11. We had some absolute wonder balls. And we also had a controversial moment right at the death. And we've also got a match that's alive. Louis Cameron, I'm Josh Onafinger. And we've had another great day of test cricket. It was enthralling for parts of it, incredibly boring for other parts of it. And you're right, there was a stink to end the day. So... Where do we start? Why don't we start with a wrap of the scores? Australia started two wickets down. Kawadra and Smith started positively. They got 47 runs without losing a wicket today. But then England resorted to the short ball tactic, which we saw Australia have success with yesterday, and we thought England might go with it earlier today. Took them until the second uh, session to really crack into it, and they did. Australia lost their last... Eight wickets for 79 runs, I believe, and they were all out for 279, setting England 371 runs to win. Not out of the equation, but certainly a tough task, and England's inning started in perfect fashion for Australia. Four wickets for 41 runs in next to no time, a couple of cracking deliveries from Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark. Before a bit of resistance from Ben Duckett, who had some fortune, and Ben Stokes, Captain Ben Stokes, who is, he's like the first innings. He's knuckled down, he's not playing rash shots, he's not baseballing, he's just doing what he needs to get his team across the line. So with one day to go, England need a further 257 runs. Australia need six wickets. Louis, where do you want to start? Well, maybe start with that man, Ben Stokes, because he's probably the one who looms large over the last day. I mean, we know about Headingley. You know, we talk about that all the time. We also we know Australia's record in the fourth innings is a bit dicey. There's been a few little hiccups along the way. The Gabba is, is a one in, um, against India a few years ago. We bring these up all the time because uh, Australia didn't – I mean, they were ahead. They've been ahead for a lot of this game, I think. Um, England were on top and then they threw it away with all those crazy wickets in the yep, uh, on day two. Um, but so Australia set England 371 runs. They really should have set them 450, 500, I think. But England, to their credit, stuck to a tactic that was unbasball like if you want to use that phrase. It's already kind of getting overused, unbasball like <laughs> Everything kind of has to be basball. But yep. it, it was patient, I, I guess, is the way you'd put it. They bowled 98% of short balls. Uh, 90% of all the balls they bowled were short in the second crazy, session. Crazy numbers, really. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like you... I don't know what they'll put in the highlights package when they go when someone goes to watch that tomorrow because it was just ball after ball, bumper after bumper, uh, you know, flying between you know probably the upper upper stomach to the shoulder, and Australia just didn't buy into it. So uh, until they did, <laughs> and then they lost a bunch of wickets doing it. So uh, at the end of it all, you've got uh, Stokes kind of standing there basically on one leg. I mean, we'll talk about another bloke who literally was on one leg, but uh, I think. The spell that Stokes bowled yep, took yep. a lot out of him. I think that's going to be really difficult uh, for him to bat in the way that he wants to because by the end of the day, look buggered. Well, we didn't see Stokes bowl in the morning session, but after lunch, he took the first over and he bowled 12 overs straight, as you mentioned, finishing with figures of one for 26 with a maiden in there. It was a Herculean effort, really. He just kept going and going. And we thought after eight overs, oh, he'll surely have a break. After nine overs, surely he'll have a break. And he just kept going and going. And Ollie Robinson, meanwhile, at the other end, was pretty much doing the exact same thing. 
Stokes, we've seen him bowl under duress before and have a real impact on games. Is this going to turn out to be one of those moments? Yeah, well, I mean, the Headingley one is the one you think of. His knee wasn't anywhere near as bad as it is now, but he bowled 12 or 13 overs. Uh, I think he might have bowled kind of two separate spells of, you know, really long to um, to get his side into a position where they could win and then pull it off. Uh, so you've got him... You got him his injury on one hand, but you also know that some of these other guys in the team who are, you know best are still uh, to come into bat. Uh, they've pulled off these kind of run chases before. They, I think, four of their highest twelve or thirteen ever run chases have come during baseball. They came last year. The, the highest one was up towards four hundred. So the difference with those were that they were five wickets down. I think at the most, and maybe three wickets at the best when they won the game. They're already five wickets down here. If they're going to win, you know, they need another 200 and what's the exact figure? You might have it in front of you. 257 left to get. 257 left to get. That's not going to come from just Ben Duckett and Stokes and Johnny Bairstow who's next into bat. We look at the England tail. If Australia had three number 11s at Edgerton, England definitely have four number 11s here. I mean, broad at number eight is three spots too high. So that's going to be a real challenge. They haven't done it by kind of eking out runs from the tail. So... Stokes and Duckin are going to have to break the back of it tomorrow and maybe then Bairstow comes in and um, knocks off the rest. That's the only way I can see them kind of pulling off a victory. Okay. Well, we can't write them off, can we? Uh, let's jump into our moment of the day brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia, the official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. And as I mentioned off the top, lots and lots of talking points. What's the moment today, Lou? We're going to be talking about this one in Ashes folklore for a long time. Nathan Lyon coming out to bat. I mean, he just he's just done the press conference and he was emotional. Uh, and you can understand why the guys, I mean, the guy's series over. I mean, he, he didn't say it then, but he all but said it. He was talking about Todd Murphy coming in for the next test and how good he is and that kind of thing. But his involvement in this test wasn't wasn't over. And, you know, that's why it's my moment of the day, the way he, he had to hobble down. He was saying that, he had to walk down the stairs because the lifts were too slow uh, to get into the long room when the eighth wicket fell and just wait there. And him, him and Jimmy Anderson were talking about their, their test futures. I don't know. I had to go down to the long room and wait in the long room because I would have been timed out otherwise. <laughs> so um, the lifts, lifts here are pretty slow, so I had to go down the stairs. Didn't know how long Josh will um, hang in there for, but um, yeah, it was interesting being in the long room rather than sitting in the pavilion going to the bat. It felt like I was... In a zoo, everyone, all, a lot of eyes on me, uh, watching what we're doing, what, what we're saying, what we're talking about. Um, but obviously, I've played against Jimmy for a, a long period of time now, and I've got a lot of respect for him. And he asked me, "Am I stupid?" Um, and I said, "Yes." But uh, he and I just said to him, "After may have to do you and go to 40. Um, he goes, "Oh, if you keep loving the game and keep trying to get better, there's no reason why you can't." So. That was a nice little moment there with, with, with Jimmy. Um, as I said, I've got a lot of respect for what he's done. And then the eighth wicket, uh, the ninth wicket falls, I should say. Josh Hadeswood's out and Mitchell Stark, the guy who's not out, starts running off the ground. He thinks, oh, well, we're, we're all done. He didn't even know Nathan Lyon was going to bat. And then all of a sudden the knight in shining arm and, you know, uh, limps down the <laughs> stairs, hobbles out into the ground, uh, ekes out a 15-run partnership. Who knows whether that could be the difference between winning and losing. Uh, and he only faced 13 balls, but gee, it was it was gutsy stuff, wasn't it? Well, it certainly reminded me straight away of that footage of Graham Smith walking down the stairs at the SCG when he was batting with that broken hand. And for in this case of Lyon, the thing I loved the most was he was just swinging. England were bowling short to him. They weren't attacking his stance. 
arms and he could really have a have a free swing at it. And playing well, wasn't he? Like the to be able to play off the back foot like that was impressive given the back foot is the one that's in, in trouble. Well, I've watched the replay of that four, so he pulled a four off Stuart Broad, um, split the fielders on the square leg boundary, and he's actually pulled it off his his yeah, his left leg, which is his good leg. So it looks very awkward, I guess, because it's not in the textbook, but he's pulled it off his left leg, his right leg's off the ground completely and he's nailed it out of the middle of the bat. You got to wonder why England didn't think about maybe bowling at the stump later on we saw Pat Cummins you know we'll talk about him in a minute but um at Mitchell Stark both bowling you know mm. very good England batsman Nathan Lyon all due respect is not a very good batsman uh maybe they could have had a look at the stumps but it, w- it might have ruined the moment because it was it was fantastic to watch um I also don't want to throw you under the bus but I've had some comments that on the first day of this test match uh, you did mention that Australia might have been winning the battle of the injury front mm. um, when Ollie Pope went off injured so um <laughs> that has come up that yeah that's evened out I would say that uh Ben Stokes is not looking great uh also oh, Australia is still ahead is I, I think so well I mean if you're counting Ben Stokes as uh as being injured you also got um Ben Duckett who was grabbing at his right hamstring a couple of times uh, during that final session while he was batting. So, you know, and I don't even want to mention the guys who aren't playing in this test. So, yeah, I think Australia's probably winning <laughs> okay. the injury front. Yeah, I, I'm, that's one. I don't think that's a particularly <laughs> controversial take. Do you? Well, maybe I'm just thinking that the Lion was fit at that stage and now he's not fit, so... Um Yes. I'm the one who jinxed him. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Nathan. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Ben Duckett because he had a bit of fortune. Uh, he was dropped in the gully, a very tough chance by Cameron Green in the first over of England's innings. He was then given out LBW on five in the third over. Uh, Stark swung a ball that yeah, swung too much in the end. It was going to miss off stump. And then at the very end of the day, Stark was involved again as Duckett tried to, um, I guess, ram. It was a very short ball from Cameron Green. He's just wafted the bat up at it. It's flown down to fine leg. Stark's taken what appeared to be a clean catch. And as Duckett's walking off, the third umpire's having a look at it and he's been told to turn around because Stark has um, pushed the ball into the ground, it looks like, on replay. What was your take on that moment and was the right decision reached? Well, first of all, you mentioned how it was an amazing catch by you know, non-catch by Mitch Stark. He the covered way, a lot of ground, didn't he, from yeah, fly leg? Yeah, yeah. And you would have expected the way he played that shot. He must have. He went to play the ramp, and he's a left-hander, so it must have kind of come off what is the. I'm just thinking. I guess the outside edge of your bat, mm. and kind of gone back on himself yeah. and over towards the leg side because Stark was was that fine leg, a very a very fine fine leg. Um, ended up taking what I thought was a really good catch. Just no – at the time, it was right in front of where we were sitting, uh, right under where we were sitting in the media box, and you didn't even think that it would be one that they'd reviewed it. It went into his hands cleanly. Uh, he was sliding along the ground, and you did see his hands touch the turf as mm-hmm, he slid. Mm-hmm. So Duckett's pretty much all the way off the ground, and I'm watching Cameron Green because he's already got a wicket with a no ball in this test, and he's bowled a lot of no balls uh, in this series – he is waiting for confirmation from the third umpire that it is indeed a legitimate delivery. So he's halfway down the wicket. He's, he's pretty pumped. He gets confirmation it's not a no ball and he gives out this massive roar, this massive fist pump. I think you pointed out at the time that he picked up David Warner. Yeah. He was so pumped and no one – so at that point no one was even thinking about uh, the catch not being clean. But I, I was watching Duckett as, uh, after that happened and he kind of stopped and he was looking up at the big screen. He'd seen the replay and he said, oh, well, that's not a catch. He was right and there was a, you know, so we can go through the rule as we kind of understand it uh, and you know, I think a lot of us, it's it's new to us to, to kind of get our heads around it because we've only got the Cameron Green catch uh, recently that was given out in the World Test Championship final. You had the Steve Smith one uh, in the first test as well quite recently. 
basically you need to be in control not only of the ball but of your body when the ball touches, if the ball touches the ground as you're holding it. So Maria Erasmus has uh, decided, from what I understand, that Stark wasn't in control of his body, which, you know, you can't really argue with that if you're looking at the letter of the law. He was still sliding. He was still moving when that ball touched the ground. I mean, that's just a, that's an objective fact. So on that, you know, criteria, it wasn't a catch. But then the next logical step is kind of go, well, we've seen heaps of those kind of catches where guys are moving and you never review that. Mm. Um, and, you know... <clears throat> People talk about high-definition cameras and yeah. things like that, bringing that to light. It's not really a high-definition camera that would – I mean, there was no suggestion that it was close to the ground or anything like that. Like a normal – you know, your iPhone that's recording this interview from a distance could tell, you know, whether he'd taken it above the turf or not. So I'm finding that a really confusing part yeah. of the rules. And I think the ICC – it's on the ICC now that there have been a few of these. They need to really explain what the rule is and why these catches that – would have been catches 5, 10, 15, 100 years mm. ago, why they're not being catches anymore. Because I think the umpires, we don't want to throw the umpires under the bus. They're the ones implying the rules and, and using the review system in the way it should be. Um, so they are just doing their job. It's on the ICC to explain things now, I think. If you haven't seen that catch, jump over to cricket.com.au or the CA Live app and we'll have the video up there for you. I guess the other confusing thing for a lot of viewers is that when you see the screenshots or you see the photos of the of this catch and all different angles some looks like his fingers are under the ball others it looks like it's just he's pushed it into the turf but is that is was that up for debate so tell me if i'm wrong my understanding was that he's no one's arguing they didn't slide the ball along the ground yeah people just kind of thought that if you had control of the ball already it didn't matter whether you slid the ball along the ground are people saying that maybe he had his fingers already yeah from a reverse angle it can look like um yeah his left fingers are sort of underneath the ball but yeah it seems like the general consensus is that he's the ball has touched the ground after he's caught it i i would wouldn't have thought anyone could could argue that particular part the bit that we you know we, we can harp on it about it is is the rule is, is i mean he probably would have practiced taking that catch at training for his whole 10, 15-year, you know, state domestic international career and he would have always kind of caught it like that. He never would have thought any differently about it. So there's an education piece that needs to, imp needs to improve, I think. Did he have an option to, when he caught the ball, to then, you know, scoop his hands up and, and not even touch the ground? Is it going to have to be a change of technique moving forward for players? 100%, yeah, 100%. And I think that's probably the bit. We, we just had Marcus Treskothic come into the press conference just now and he – said himself he didn't really understand exactly what the rules Marcus Treskothic played lots of tests lots of international cricket you know thousands he played first class cricket till he was 41 yeah, or 42 yeah, yeah. and he doesn't understand the rule for me that's something wrong with the education part of this Okay, well, let's talk about Mitchell Stark's bowling because that was also very impressive. He took two early wickets and it sort of set the tone for the early part of the England innings. His first one was Zach Crawley caught down the leg side as he was getting the ball to swing. Good catch by Alex Carey, by the way. And then a absolute hell of a series, didn't he? Oh, it just keeps getting better and better for Alex Carey. And then an absolute jaffer to get Ollie Pope. It's the second time Pope's been bowled in the second innings in this series. And this one was arguably even better than the Cummins one in Edge Baston. I would probably just about argue that. I mean, a few – look, you, you can play that ball and Joe Root did play a few similar balls. Stark got that. He just had that beautiful hooping in swing after some waywardness early. He just got it going in beautifully to the right-hander. 
Root was playing a lot better. I think the balance of his head is a lot better. Pope's head just kind of falls over a little bit on those uh, those ones that angle back into it. But, you know, we're splitting hairs. I mean, that was 145 kilometres swing back into middle stump and it started wide of off stump. Like that's really difficult for anyone to play. So that's why they picked him in this team. As, as good as Scott Boland is, as good, as consistent as he is, I don't think he can bowl a wonder ball quite like that. And how good is it when the middle stump is uprooted and off and leg are just still standing there? It was, yeah, that was a, a rare thing. And the only thing we didn't get is the cartwheeling, which yeah. sometimes does happen with, with English uh, pitches because they water the, the stump holes a bit more. But they can aim for that next time. Pat Cummins also got a couple of very important and crucial wickets. Uh, the first one was Joe Root with a ball that sort of rose on him caught the, uh, the shoulder of the bat and David Warner took an easy catch at first slip and then he bowled Harry Brook with a ball reminiscent of the Joe Root ball from Manchester four years ago. And I want to pitch this question to you. Which was better, the Brook ball or the Root ball? The root ball in 2019 at Old Trafford, marginally. Root's a better player with better defence. Not saying, I think I rate Brook extremely highly, but I don't think this one jagged quite as much. I think a better player might have got bat on it. Splitting hairs, because honestly that did maybe just deck a little bit off the seam. It was fantastic bowling and, you know, we're talking about the the ball coming to bowl to Root. He had an excellent kind of setup there of Root where he hit him on the arm, uh, you know, a ball or ball or two before the one that got the wicket and then the, the next one kind of, you know, jumps a slightly different length. I think, and, um, and he was fending it towards first slip. Cummins, and you know, so two wickets in four or five balls. He just elevates the, in the big moments. Cummins, we saw it in yes. in Edgbaston in that second innings where you mentioned he bowled that beautiful boomerang in swing at a pope. And um, gee, he's just just when you when you you think the team needs it, he kind of he kind of lifts. So um, he'll be huge for them tomorrow. It's all set up for a thrilling climax on day five here at Lords. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the Spirit of Australia. And we'll catch you all for the finish tomorrow.